0: There's a bunch of people watching online and a bunch of people in overflow today. Can we give them a hand real quick? Can we thank them? John 17, verse 3. Now, this, someone say, now this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every man here, every woman here. I thank you for every family represented. I thank you for, God, every generation represented now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a plan unique and special for each one of them. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would draw it out. God, equip your men, equip your ladies to be all they're called to be. Let each time we gather under your name, let it be special. Let it refine things and build things. Let it knock off things. Let it bring out the gold and the silver that you've placed in people Holy Spirit I I need you, your people need you equip them for the works of ministry to build businesses and lives and homes and whatever it is that you have purposed for their lives Father, help them walk with you and know you help them experience your love and your grace and your blessing help them be a blessing wherever they go I thank you for what you're going to do through this church in the years to come And I thank you that today is just a a seed of what will be one day. I prophesy your champions and your army rising in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Help me see. Help me hear what I need to see. What I need to hear. By your grace. By your grace. I'm filled with faith. I am strong. I am courageous. I am loving. I am wise. I am a servant. In Jesus' name, oh, I thank you, Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand one more time. Amen. Do you appreciate our worship team? Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Slap your neighbor and tell them they're good looking. Turn to the person you ignored and just say, that goes without saying for you. The title of my talk today is A Journey Called Freedom. Someone say, A Journey, a journey. Called Freedom. We've been in a series in our church called This Is Our Faith, and it's really press pause at Resilient Woman, and I'm just kind of continuing it and probably closing it today, but we've been talking about really the foundation of our faith that God wants to do something significant in you some say in you, you. some say through you. through you and for God to do something in you, and through you he has to form a deep foundation in your life that you don't just fall over with every wind with every season with every hard time he actually wants to build strong women and strong men through this house the house of God sometimes honestly is a little bit known for outdated and flaky but I pray that church alive brings something a little different that you become stronger after coming to this house. Why? Because the Father's house is a place of strength. It is a place of revelation. It is the place where the Holy Spirit literally broods over environments and He begins to speak and guide and, and pour out His grace and His love on people. And we've been speaking about the essence and the wonder of our faith that it's born on the person, someone say the person, of Jesus Christ. He is not just a prophet. He is not just a a teacher if you take seriously the word of god which i highly suggest he actually is the word and he is god and we've been talking about what christians believe about the bible and and so i want to talk to you along this thought today a journey called freedom and we bumped into a man by the name of jacob someone say jacob and Jacob actually walks with God but then one time God's tired of his nonsense ever have has God ever been tired of your nonsense (laughs) some of you know exactly what I'm talking about you're like I'm done with this guy there's a there's a man in our church and and he was drunk and God gave him a dream I'm done with you it's time to change and uh he's actually become quite a uh a great man of faith in our church and leads a transform group and uh how you know God can turn around every situation? Even you're doing dumb stuff. He's like, all right, I'm done with this guy right here. Let's change. And he wrestles Jacob and he turns him into Israel. And Israel means one who wrestles with God and one who rules with God. And he ends up having 12 sons. Someone say a busy boy. He has 12 sons, I haven't met anyone. I've met some people with eight sons, but, or eight kids, but not 12, and he has 12 sons, and the youngest son is, is a man by the name of Joseph, and he is the favoured son, someone say favoured, but the favor actually didn't get him far because his brothers hated him and they throw him, into, uh, throw him into a well and end up selling him into slavery, but in his pain, God was still working. In his pain, God was still watching. In his pain, God was overseeing his situation in the sovereignty of God. God was sending Joseph to a place where he could actually be a blessing to not just one nation, but the nations of the world. And He comes up with this plan of how they're going to uh, survive through seven years of drought. And Joseph becomes the second greatest ruler in a place where he had previously been, uh, been um, thrown in jail and, and told all kinds of lies about him. But then the Bible says that Pharaoh forgets Joseph and forgets his kin and they actually enslave all of the Jewish people at that time and they multiplied greatly and Pharaoh sees them as his workforce and basically profits from them and then enables them to be called a different name. And you'll always notice in the history of humanity, whenever humanity does terrible deeds, it's always because of two reasons. And that reason is you call people what they are not and then you profit from them. You'd be amazed if you just go through the history of the world and the history of wars and the history of some of the radical things that have done in Africa when country would, uh, would fight country You've got to understand that whenever, whenever you call a person who's made in the image and likeness of God something lower than what they are, and then you profit from them, you'd be amazed what we could do with them as people. Anyway, God sends a man by the name of Moses. Someone say Moses. Someone say Big Mo. I, I miss VeggieTales. I just want to let you know... I miss veggie tales I don't happen I don't know what happened but anyway they went bankrupt and uh, but anyway they, they they went to they were Jesus-centered and then they just went moral and then no one really cared about their morality and then they went bankrupt anyway uh, keep your business on Jesus that's a word for someone right there amen God encounters Moses and Moses is 80 if you think that God's done with you look at Moses He's 80 and God is just starting with him. At 40 years old, he murders a man and leaves Egypt. And he is a wandering person, and a shepherd for 40 years. And basically when he thinks he's kind of to the end of his rope, God says, Moses, Moses. And the first thing we discover through the man Moses is that God is holy. Someone say holy. holy. He says this to Moses, take off your shoes. My mother-in-law says that. Anthony. Take your shoes off. She's been telling me that for over 20 years. Hey, take your shoes off. I'm like, all right, this is what we do. Why? She's saying, my house is neat. My house is tidy. You've never seen a house as tidy. She pays a cleaner. I swear the cleaner just goes to the couch, puts up feet and just goes, I'm chilling. There's nothing to clean. It's already been cleaned every single day. And she tells me, Anthony, take shoes off. What she's saying, my house is special. And when God invites Moses into a relationship, he's saying, I am special. Yes, I am a friend and yes, I am a father, but I am holy. And he has to take off his shoes and he has to do the delicate balance. And I think it's part of the Christian journey that we do a delicate balance between God is friend, but God is to be respected. You know, years ago, I remember seeing hats called, God is, Jesus is my homeboy. No, he's not. Why, he he is friend, but he's a friend to those who respect him, not to those who pull him down. And the invitation of heaven for every single one of us, he actually desires truly to be your friend. But you've got to understand that when you come to God, he is a holy God. And holiness is both a gift and a process. It is a gift. When I come to Christ, when I put my faith in Jesus, that moment God declares me holy but how many of you know that that holiness has to be worked out and over time god will deal with you on different things god will like hey don't do that You're like why not because i'm holy and i want my nature actually in you and i want my nature and my character and how i think i want that in you and and if and if you allow the holiness of god to get in you you'll bless your generation what's this now every every marriage i've never met a marriage and they came to me and said anthony my husband is too holy my wife too holy too loving too patient too kind too much self-control no 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 it's always the opposite your life breaks because of unholiness not holiness are you with me and he invites him into his holiness and then he invites him on mission God is always on mission Say that with me. God is always on mission. Say this with me. If I'm going to follow God, I'm going to get on mission. This church is on mission. This church is on mission. Say it again. This church is on mission. The reason we exist is to reach people far from God. And then to teach and to disciple them and then to empower them to become more. And I am encouraged that this place is full. But how you know we can knock down some walls pretty soon? Never say this. Never say the church is getting too big. That's what Satan thinks. It's always a bad deal to say what Satan thinks. Some of you need to get that in your head right now. Anyway, Exodus chapter 4 says this. Moses is sent to the people of God, and he says this. This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. Someone say son. Son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. We bump into God's holiness, but then we bump into his deep love. Israel is my son. It's not just my people. It is personal with God. When God made Adam, he formed him to reflect him, and then he lost Adam, and ever since then, he's been looking for men to actually come into relationship with him, and not just be friends, but be sons. I think it is the great invitation, or the great, um, I think it's the greatest, how would I say this, the greatest honor of our lives to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. There is no greater honor for you to be called a son and daughter of the Most High God. And we find God's love in here. If you were to break into my house, you might be like, Pastor Anthony, you're a friendly guy. You'll find out how unfriendly I am if you break into my house. You're not going to find friendly Anthony. You're going to find fiery Anthony. Right? Oh, you're a nice person. Not if you mess with the people I love. God is, God is watching Israel and he's looking at a nation who is oppressing his people and he makes it personal. He says, that is my son. Don't mess with my son. How many of you, if you're a parent in here, you perhaps didn't know how deep your love would be until you had a kid. And then all of a sudden you literally looked and there was like this, for me there was like a supernatural love almost that I had for my kids. I'd do anything for my kids. Stole my kids? I'm gonna kill you. And and unapologetically. I have a special set of skills that make me very dangerous to men like you. I will find you. I will kill you. I got the accent wrong, but I got the words right, I think. It was a little bit confusing. Wait, Liam Nielsen, he's not German. No, he's not. But once you're in it, you can't get out of it. You can't change an accent halfway through, people. I don't know if you've ever tried it. Anyway. Someone say God is holy. Someone say God is love. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 29, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people. He threw down his rod and it became a snake. He put his hand into his his, um, clothing and out out it came and it was white as snow. And then he put it back into his hand and then it was clear again. And he was basically saying, listen, God himself is sending me. And verse 31 says this, and they believed. Someone say believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them. Someone say, He is concerned. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them. God is not just concerned for your neighbor. He's concerned for you. Yeah. He thinks about you. He's been watching you. He's looking over you. And many times you might go, but why did bad things happen? Bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. But God's love actually speaks to us many times in the painful moments. And the hard moments of our lives and the empty moments of our lives. Many times we have empty moments in our lives because we are not listening. But in the empty moment, God will speak to you. And God will begin to reveal himself to you. And this is what happened with the children of Israel. Someone say bow down. And worship. Worship is in response to seeing his love. But when you worship, you'll see His love. And when you worship, you'll see His holiness. Why, do we, why are we passionate about worship in this church? Why? Because when you worship, you see His holiness. And when you see His holiness, you'll worship. When you worship, you'll see His love. And when you see His love, you'll worship. It isn't just a moment of singing. It's a moment of living. Because worship is simply the response of a heart that has seen the love of God. Because God actually loves you more than your parents love you. God's love, the Bible says, it is wider, it is higher, it is deeper. It is a love that is, the Apostle Paul said, it is incomprehensible. It is unable to understand, but he says this, but it is able to be experienced. Someone say, help me experience it. Come on, say, help me experience it. And the people of God begin to watch. That God cares for them. Why, why are prophetic moments so important in your life throughout perhaps the years of your life? Because it's where God starts to show you I'm deeply concerned with you individually. Pastor Havala Cunnington on the 11 o'clock service last week began to give literally Miriam and I a prophecy. She has never met us before. And for four minutes, it was like she read my letter. And I can't tell you what those moments do on the inside for someone when you've been faithfully serving God. And sometimes you go, has it counted? And someone comes up to you and says, look, God's been watching you. God's been watching you. God's been watching you. And it is that. It's like a prophetic hug. It's like this beautiful moment where God is like, hey, I'm I'm hugging you right now and he's revealing his love why because you all of a sudden see that God sees you know when I was 20 21 years old I went to a church in West Virginia and a man spoke to me and he told me what I'm doing today how many know that's weird when you're 21 I'm doing a business marketing degree I'm playing tennis at the university I don't think I was dating my wife at the time and he began to tell me that I was going to speak in front of literally thousands of people And that is beginning to happen but he told me that 25 26 27 years ago and how many know that's god saying hey buddy i'm watching you i have something for you but i don't just want to say that isn't that isn't me elevating myself i want to i want to share that with you because god watches you god is concerned about you it doesn't mean god um god protects us from everything that happens no, actually he he doesn't protect us from everything. He allows us to go through some things, but he allows those pains to actually become purpose. If you'll allow your pain to become purpose, God can put his provision and his power on it. Amen. You know when my father passed away, I prayed for 20 years that he'd stop drinking. And sometimes that's discouraging. But when he passed away, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, redeem his story. And so I can either whine at God or I can turn it around and make it for good. And can I encourage some people, listen, you can whine at God or you can turn it around and make it for good. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand? Someone say God is holy. God is loving. And God desires for your life freedom. Someone say freedom. Freedom. Come on, say freedom. freedom. Here's what's interesting about freedom if you're from the age of like 10 to like 25, maybe 22. Anyone here from the age of 10 to 22, put up your hand quickly. Put up your hand. Okay, put your hand down. Here's the deal. Your parents... People around you want your freedom. But you have to listen. (laughs) Amen, pastor. That's good preaching. Some of us have been around a while. See, here's what's interesting. Sometimes when you grow up in the faith, you can, you can, what's the best way to say it? You can, you can take for granted what you have, And then when you're 40 and 45 and 50, you can come back to the house of God and realize what you had. And realize your parents were trying to save you pain. Your teachers were trying to save you pain. Your mentors were trying to save you pain. Because at the time it felt like, but I think freedom is doing whatever I want. Freedom isn't doing whatever you want. That's the path to addiction. I had one, one of my best friends, neighborhood friends, he died at 19 years old because he was drinking on, and driving on the way home and he passes away. I had another person very close to our world, he got involved in drugs and he dies. And you're like, you're like, how many parents would have told him, don't do that? Why do we warn people from doing dumb crap? Because we know that dumb crap gets you in Egypt. Now, so some of you understand this. You're like, Pastor, preach it. (laughs) Preach it like you mean it. Why? Because you were addicted and you did break a marriage and you did ruin your life and you made it. But now you're in your 30s, late 30s and 40s and 50s. And now you realize God's wisdom works. But there's a whole group of people who are in their teens and in their 20s and you're like, oh, but freedom feels so like doing whatever I want to do. Whatever I, I want to do. I don't know if that just got weird in church. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It might have. We might look back on this moment as like, oh, that's when everyone left. Uh... I grew up in the home of an alcoholic. But when God found me, I was getting drunk. Because what runs in fathers runs in children's, runs in sons. Why will someone tell you, have self-control in your money? Have self-control in your sexual relationships. Have self-control in those areas. Why do they say it? Because they've been around long enough and they are a Moses in your life trying to keep you from being bound by Pharaoh who cares nothing for you but wants power over you someone say freedom, freedom. come on say freedom. freedom now pretend you're in brave heart and say freedom. freedom let's go baby here's the interesting thing God Desires your freedom but sometimes the vehicle he uses is questionable Moses is a questionable vehicle he's 80 he's murdered a man he comes on back and now he's there to set people free watch this now someone say vehicle, vehicle. someone say God speak to me God, speak to someone say God speak to me God will talk to you throughout your life, but the primary vehicle he uses is his word. But the primary vehicle he uses is people to deliver the word. Here's the problem. Do you know that the church is the vehicle of heaven? The church of the living God all across the earth, it is the vehicle of heaven. It has built more, more hospitals, more schools. It has helped more poor people. It has been generous across the ages. But how many also know that the church has, has some black eye moments in its life where it did not do what it was meant to do? It is the vehicle of heaven. But sometimes it's failed. Watch this now. You might be out of that Pastor, if you give me a word, I'll believe it. But guess what my word sometimes is get in a transform group and here's what's interesting you might jump in a transform group and you might know more than the dude who's leading you but he's the vehicle he might be you might be richer than him you might have better health than him you might have a better relationship right now than him but for some reason right now he's the vehicle I had someone recently come up to me, like, so Pastor, if you need any help in the ministry, I'll help you. I was a doctor here and a this there. And do you know the truth is that I love that and I'll help and I'll, and I'll use people like that. But the truth is they have to sit and serve and just be willing to sit under people that perhaps don't know as much as them. And just show they're not just here to talk, but they're here to build because I need people who can handle a vehicle. Our transform groups, our men's groups uh, on a Wednesday night, I don't know of another church around that does it as well as we do it. And that's not a boast, it's just what I know. But here's what's interesting. See, five years ago, I used to, I I didn't like our own men's groups. Why? Because I was sick of people just showing up and just eating cookies. Please come. So I was like, man... If men are going to show up to our transform groups, they're going to show up with a desire to grow. Because I can't dumb it down for everyone. And I need to produce disciples and spiritual athletes. That's the goal. So here's the truth. Physically, spiritually, relationally, financially, we challenge men every single week. But here's we don't just yell at them and inspire them and tell them cool stories. We actually ask them, hey, why don't you... Tell your leader what you did. Just answer four questions. What you do physically, spiritually, relationally, financially. i found everyone likes accountability until there's accountability. I think there should be more accountability in the church. Okay, be accountable. No, no, no. Uh, What I meant was, that's for others. And the guys, listen to me, and the guys who fight accountability the most need it the most I found this over years of leading people the area you want no one to talk to you about (laughs) that's the area you need someone to talk to you about pastor don't talk to me about health that's the area Don't talk to me about money, that's the area. Don't you bring up politics, that's the area. Don't you talk about sex, that's the area. Don't you mention drugs, that's the area. Don't you talk about me loving and forgiving, that's the area. Don't you tell me to attend regularly, that's the area. You mean I need to serve? Don't talk to me about tithing. I don't want to be at men's prayer. Then if you're a woman, go to woman's prayer. In this church, we still believe in men and women. God desires their freedom. he has to lead them through an imperfect vehicle called Moses and Aaron and he leads them through and they have to listen and they have to obey and every time they listen and obey they get more free it's almost like Pastor Fernando come here one sec just come over here you got 10 fingers pull out your 10 fingers let's turn around actually let's go this way Pharaoh, hold hold my my hand with both hands. Pharaoh holds them. He's got 10 fingers. Take away one finger. And God does a miracle. Another finger. God does a miracle. And Moses hears, and Moses obeys. Another finger. And And Moses hears, and Moses obeys. And Moses hears, and Moses obeys. Moses hears, and Moses obeys. Moses hears, and Moses obeys. And the loose of Pharaoh is getting less and less and less. And Moses hears, and Moses obeys. Next finger. Moses hears, Moses obeys. Moses hears, Moses obeys. And finally, the last finger. Take a seat. The last finger of them getting set free is to do something that doesn't make sense. Go sacrifice a lamb. Go get hyssop. Dip it in the blood. Put it on the doorpost to the left and the right and put it over here, over the top. And when the judgment comes on Egypt because they have been worshipping every other God, you'll be safe and the death angel will see the blood, and the blood will be the thing that sets you free. And then the people of God leave slaves, but they come out as an army. Listen to me, you may be bound in some areas, but through the holiness of God, the love of God, and the freedom of God, and through the cross, you might be bound, but if you keep on hearing and obeying, I promise eventually you'll become part of the army. Are you hearing me, church? God is not just looking for pew warmers. God is looking for warriors. He takes them out. They're enslaved and they come out. Here's the thing though. They come out in groups, in groups, as an army, which means this, God doesn't just set you free and just allow you to hang out by yourself. He sets you free and then he starts to move in your family. He sets you free and he gets you on a team. He gets you in a transformed group. He gets you at Church Life College. He gets you at Freedom. He he, he starts to put you in a group of people. Because here's the thing. When Moses got over his insecurity, he set other people free. Hear me now. When you get over your insecurity, that's when you start to actually help people. God I can't because I don't talk, God I can't because I murdered someone, God I can't and he's got the list as long as you can believe of all the reasons why he can't go and be God's instrument but God had chosen him to be his instrument and there's some women here and you've got all the reasons and there's some men here, you've got all the reasons why God can't make you his instrument but I want to tell some people in their soul today that if you will just hear and obey and do, hear and obey and do hear and obey and do hear and obey and do the the secret of the kingdom of God is here obey and do follow his presence hear it obey it do it when I was 18 years old God said you go going to America here obey and do it at 19 God called me to preach Hear, obey, do it. At 20, God actually told me to to get on the radio. And I was like, but Lord, I can't go on the radio. I had to go talk to someone and say, hey, I want to preach on the radio. You know how awkward that is if they say no? No, you're a loser. But for some reason, they opened the door. Hear, obey, do. Keep following His presence. I was so proud of one of the guys in our church. He walked up to me after men's prayer, maybe two months ago, three months ago, and said, Pastor Anthony, I've been hearing you talk about some of the stuff that's happening in our society. And he said, man, I'm gonna run for like, um, I'm gonna run for school board. And I was simply just proud of him for doing that. And then I found out this morning, he won. Let's go. We need some moral people jumping into all kinds of stuff. We need morality in family. We need morality in business. We need morality in government. We need morality. Why? Because when you hear God's voice and obey God's voice, it causes freedom. But we live in a culture who's trying to break down all the holiness of God and think that's going to be freedom. But I'm telling you, it's going to be bondage. Holy Spirit, take these moments right now and breathe your life upon them, I pray. Church, the secret of the Christian life is there is no secret. It's about hearing. It's about obeying. It's about doing. God loves you. And when He asks you to do something, it is in your best interest But not just your best interest, your family's best interest, your generation's best interest, the people around you, their best interest, that you do it. So I want us to sing. And I just want us to sing a song that just helps us surrender afresh and new. Maybe God's going to put on some of your heart. Whatever it is that he needs to put on your heart to maybe start doing, stop doing, or just keep doing what you're called to do, can we all just surrender to the King for one more moment, a little bit longer? Come on. Come
1: on, let's
0: lift our hands
1: to the King. As you show up, I'm with my father now, oh lifted hands, lifted hands, surrendered heart I'm with my father now. Oh you feel my calm, you feel my cup, as you show up. I'm waiting
0: insecurity, fear, stop you from becoming all you're meant to be. Keep feeding faith. Keep hearing God's voice. Keep following His presence and you'll be surprised the blessing that comes on the other side of you saying yes to God. The blessing is on the other side of you saying yes to the King every eye closed all across this place. Jesus, I thank you that you are walking amongst us. You are the center of the church. You are the pillar. You are the foundation. And if there are people in this place that don't know you right now, I ask you, Lord, I know you're already drawing them, wooing their hearts, wooing their minds. I tell you very clearly, if you're online today in the overflow today, in this auditorium right now God made you God loves you He proved it on the cross but then He proved His power over sin, death and Satan by rising from the dead He said in His word in John 10:10, "The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy but I have come that you might have life And have it more abundantly. He has a purpose for your life now and forever. Maybe you're in this place and you have not yet said yes to Jesus. Let me take a moment in this church. Maybe you're here and you've not said yes to Him. It is the most important faith step. It's when the children of Israel put the blood over the doorposts of their own home. They knew that the blood covered them. In the same way, now it is Jesus' blood that covers your mistakes. And not just covers, but washes it clean away so that you become holy in an instant. But then in discipleship, He continues to make you holy. So all across this place, while eyes are closed if you have never said yes to God never said yes to Jesus or maybe you're in this place and you know you're far away from Him and you want to come back to Him we're going to pray a prayer and let that prayer connect you to Him right now say dear Jesus thank you for loving me so much you died for me thank you for paying the price for my freedom I want to be a child of God today I put my faith in you not my works not my good efforts but by your grace make me your child thank you Jesus and from this day on help me serve you know you and love you all across this place while well, eyes are closed I'm going to quickly ask you to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer today you saying yes to Christ for the very first time or secondly you know you're far away and you need to come back would you quickly raise your hand all across this place as a sig- as a significant moment of faith in this place thank you Lord thank you hands going up all across this place thank you raise your hand quickly long enough high enough for me to see it go ahead quickly raise your hand raise your hand raise your hand raise your hand, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you, man. That's awesome today. That's awesome. You can put your hand down. Father, bless your people. Strengthen them. Lord, pour out your grace upon them, your love upon them, your freedom upon them. Lord, help them go and be a blessing and build strong homes and marriages and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, church alive. Let's give the Lord a hand.